There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. This week on Inside Jobs, Brian, Gene, and Lee investigate the mysteries of the Philadelphia Experiment. According to mysterious sources, a U.S. battleship in 1943 disappeared in Philadelphia and reappeared miles away in Virginia, with crew members melded with steel or losing their minds. Did the Philadelphia experiment really happen, or was it a story to cover up a different secret government experiment? Joining me to discuss the Philadelphia experiment are civilian investigator Eugene Philly Cheesesteak O'Neill, gentlemen, and conspiracy expert Lee Golden. Good day to you, sirs. I'm historian Brian Lane. Welcome to Inside Jobs. Mysterious sources, huh? That's what we're dealing with here? Mysterious yeah. sources, yeah. That's about as authoritative as it gets. <laughs> yeah, technically we're mysterious sources, too. Yeah, nobody knows what we look like or who we are. We use these assumed names. We haven't given them any details about our personal lives, except for that Lee has a cousin named Banger, and that Gene has a penis that you can only see with a microscope. Electron microscope. <laughs> Brian, everyone knows what I look like. I look like Jim Jones. Orson Welles. <laughs> Their love child. <laughs> no, but uh, after, after a, a very fun uh, uh, outing last week where Gene led us through um, the story of the Exodus and the myth-making that went on in... Ancient uh, ancient times among the Hebrews. The first great lie of the Jews. Oh, boy. Basically, their dry run the for making up the Holocaust. Uh, we are yeah. now going to cover for a very special Christmas-themed episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Philadelphia Experiment. Which yeah. is uh, typically when we, when our little threesome is uh, covering topics, they are more real-world um Things like, did the government lie about something, or did they assassinate someone, or did they stage a coup? Um, but this one has um, some sci-fi elements, because it is about... It's our spookiest episode, I would say. Yes, this is our Christmas spooktacular. Listen to this on <laughs> Halloween, I say. Yeah, put this one on Tre ice for ten months. <laughs> Treehouse of Horror with a W. But, um, yes, I mean, uh, I think we made a conscious decision, like, when we started the show that we're not going to do, like, UFOs, we're not going to do that side of the conspiracy spectrum. And I feel like this and the then we started to run low on content. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the, this is uh, this topic, I think, borders most closely on that realm of uh, conspiracy theory. So mm -hmm. here we are. I think there are some interesting stuff that sort of swirl, swirl around the, the mythos of the Philadelphia experiment. So I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about here, gentlemen. Yeah, and we at least get to talk about Nazis at a couple points throughout the show. So it's still yeah. within our wheelhouse in, in some ways. It's a little Nazi such as George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So in order, uh, as uh, as Gene helped to guide us through last week's episode, and because I'm really sick with this devastating cough, Lee has volunteered to help us get through the Philadelphia experiment. So, definitely, Lee, I am going to hand it over to you to uh, kind of uh, kind of start us off 
on this Great. journey back in time. Well, I think, ladies and gentlemen, um, before we go into the, the story of the Philadelphia Experiment, I think it's important that we start with defining unified field theory. Uh, which is the sort of basis for the pseudoscience of I the I think everybody knows experiment. what unified field theory is. Okay. Probably. Well, in case they don't, uh, Gene, according to Wikipedia, the uh, article on unified field theory says, Dear Wikipedia readers, to protect our independence, we will never run ads. We take no government funds. We survive on donations averaging about $15. Now is the time we ask. If everyone reading this right now gave $3, our fundraiser would be done within an hour. We're a small nonprofit with costs of five websites, servers, staff, and programs. Wikipedia is something special. It's like a library or a public park where we can all go to think and learn. If Wikipedia is useful to you, take one minute to keep it online and ad-free for another year. Thank you. Credit card, PayPal, Amazon. <laughs> wow, that's a really interesting point about these complicated physics theories. Yeah. So it's a theory that uh, Albert Einstein Can I just interrupt actually. for a second that I hate <laughs> yes, that sir. Jimmy Wales, that's the founder of Wikipedia, right? He yeah. stopped putting his yeah. like really sad looking face, like pleading desperate face <laughs> with those, yes. uh, yeah, like with the like little bumper at the top asking for money because there was just yeah. something about his face that was just so sad and pathetic that I both wanted to give him money, and I did not want to give him money. Right. It would have only been more pathetic if Jimmy Wales had been wearing a shirt that said, Save the Whales. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so, UFT, unifi Uniform uh, Field Theory, or Unified Field Theory, it basically um, it's kind of a pseudoscience theory that uh, Albert Einstein um, apparently coined. Allegedly. Allegedly, um, you can just go ahead and every time we say something, just like in parentheses, parentheses say allegedly uh, before everything we say. Citation um, needed. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, citation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be so many wiki Question jokes. mark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can we pause, guys? I got to go take a wiki leak. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so basically. It just basically says that, like, all of the fundamental uh, forces and particles are in a single field. Um, so what that means, fucking A, it's, if I it's know. Ba it's, basically, it's basically a method. Of, so in physics, you're describing um, uh, particles in motion. Um, but you use different types of equations and nomenclatures in order to describe different things. So, like, electromagnetic forces are uh, described in one way, and then the forces of gravity are described in another. Mm. Unified field theory is What about a, the forces is... of love? <laughs> well, th that already has its own book so. to consult. So, But uh, it's, it's basically a method of unifying those different uh, types of notation into one so that the same types of uh, math can describe uh, different kinds of forces. <laughs> The intention would be if there's a unified theory. Oh God, shoot me in the head. I, I know. If there's a unified theory, something, something, it's not important. Moving on. Oh, okay. Please. So, um, the 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 unified field theory uh, is basically the the basis for what they say the Philadelphia experiment was. And just to kind of put things into context, um, what like it's finding the, it? What's that? <laughs> like. Finding, finding the, the unified field theory or like using it as a weapon? Use, they were using it um, 
they're using it um, as sort of they found an a or of unified device. field theory. And Precisely, something went wrong. Right. Um, and that orb was the orb from that Woody Allen movie that makes people orgasm. Um, it's a vibrating egg, Lee. It's uh, yeah, oh, that's a vi- yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, to put things into context, it's uh, 1943. Uh, uh, US... I, excuse me, put things into context. <laughs> right, on January, January 1933, 1933 <laughs> Hitler rose to power. Several years later, World War II started. <laughs> Pearl Harbor was bombed, and America entered the war. Technological advances required that the governments of the uh, military powers engage in a lot of experimentation in order to best their enemies in the race for technologically advanced arms. Thus, we have things like the Manhattan Project, which resulted in the atomic bomb, and Operation Rainbow, the supposed code name for the Philadelphia Experiment. Right. Uh, There's no mention of... Operation Rainbow... You're right. It, it, oh, my God. The Philadelphia. Oh, ooh, ooh, you figured it out, Gene. All right. Case closed. See you guys later. Um, so I'll be Rainbow connecting was... all the dots. Sorry. <laughs> so Rainbow um, was the code name for the what is it? The Rome the um, Axis Berlin Alliance. The, yeah, it was basically like the Axis powers like Rainbow was our uh, code name for it. But if you look through all the Navy, they records, were the Axis no... powers and we were Rainbow. No, the, the Rainbow was our U word for they them, were Rainbow. Gene. Oh, OK. To make them yeah. look silly. Yeah, <laughs> they were the Axis powers. We were the gay straight allies. <laughs> OK. Um, OK. So. Um, <clears throat> so basically, um, the German U-boats were just destroying the shit out of our destroyers. Our destroyers were um, – uh, they couldn't turn quickly enough to avoid uh, the attacks from the German U-boats. So um, the Navy was really interested in coming up with ways to basically make their ships uh, invisible to radar and to the German U-boat torpedoes. Um, and one of the experiments that supposedly was happening was this thing called – Operation Rainbow or the Philadelphia Experiment. Um, And basically what this experiment alleges is that there was uh, this ship, the USS Eldridge, which was an actual um, Navy destroyer, uh, and it was in this naval shipyard in Pennsylvania. And um, what happened supposedly was the ship completely disappeared or dematerialized um, and then reappeared, I think, in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, for like a second. Uh, and then it disappeared again, and then it showed uh, up right back in Philadelphia, um, except like some of the dudes on the ship had disappeared. Um, and even more bizarrely, some of the dudes on the ship apparently were fused into the the hull of the ship. Like basically there would be like a dude who was like half inside the ship and half outside the ship. So there was like dudes like screaming with their hands reaching out of the, the bulkhead of the ship. And it was apparently just like a terrifying um, so just imagine the just government. Imagine that scene in Ghost Dad when he comes out of the lake and a bus drives right through him. It was kind of like that. <laughs> okay. It's basically David Copperfield's worst magic trick. <laughs> Citation needed. But yeah, basically, like those two things. Um, so apparently, because it was such a disaster, the U.S. Navy closed the book on it, covered it up, and uh, never went back to it. I would, I would um, like to point then, out meanwhile, that the, uh, this event was supposed supposedly happened on October 28th, 1943. October 28th being my birthday, mm-hmm. so I'm probably... Do you think there's a connection, I think there Brian? is. 
to the fact that all my presents, I guess, disappeared this year. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll reappear one day. Yeah, fused together. <laughs> um, I think isn't that actually present. isn't that also a date from um isn't that also a date from uh, Back to the Future? Nineteen forty three. Yeah, that's the date that he travels back. Yes, it is. Okay, yes. No, October twenty fifth is the yeah. uh, is the date in Back to the Future. I won a twenty dollar bet recently at a bar. Somebody, some idiot, bet me that we've already passed the Back to the Future Part Two. Future yeah, date. someone tried to pull that shit on me, and we have not. And they were, and I'm like, it's nineteen. No, it's you, 2015. Saw like, you saw like a manipulated image on the internet. It's 2015. He's like, no, 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 it's 2013. I'll bet you twenty bucks. And I'm like, this is the easiest twenty dollars I have ever made. Gene, did you do, then send that twenty dollars to me to pay for our website? No, yeah. I sent it to the bar to pay for my bar tab. Oh, man. Philadelphia Experiment, some weird, crazy shit the Navy's doing. So meanwhile, across the pond, there's kind of like the German version of the Philadelphia Experiment, which is called Die Glocke or uh, Die Glocke. And there's a lot of different – Die Glocke. Okay. So um, apparently this was uh, some sort of secret Nazi experiment that some people say was like a flying saucer. Some people say it was a device like the Philadelphia Experiment that can make things invisible or make things transport or – um, you know, travel across time or something like that. So um, they haven't found any evidence of um, the the bell except for some sort of weird Stonehenge-looking um, structure that was apparently used to uh, hold the, the device in place. But there's lots of uh, crazy uh, uh, drawings of what people uh, think the bell looks like. So if you want a, a drawing of a, a spaceship with a bunch of swastikas and occult symbols on it, go ahead and search for the bell. <laughs> You'll find it. Um, so the Philadelphia experiment, where does this story come from? Because the city of, of brotherly throw love around the city of brotherly love, the sandwich of <laughs> brotherly love. Um, a lot of people throw around this story like, you know, it's something that, that really happened. It's a huge part of conspiracy lore, especially on the um, <clears throat> especially on the UFO. UFO side of things, which we said is not really our side of things. We are more on the side of things of stuff that actually <laughs> exists, um, you know. But, uh, hey, you know, we don't judge except for all of the well, horrible judgments we, we place on everyone <laughs> constantly on this program. Um but basically, I think that one of the reasons why it has some sort of credence to it is just because the theory – name drops Albert Einstein. They say, well, if Albert Einstein had something to do with it, then, uh, well, it it had to be real. Um, and we should probably go into a little bit of what Albert Einstein was doing in World War II. Al Albert Einstein was a, was a pacifist, of course. Um, he really didn't believe in war, but he understood that the Nazis were probably developing their own super weapon, their own atomic bomb. So there was this letter, I think, that in like 1939 or 1940 that was sent to Roosevelt that a bunch of scientists signed. They basically said, hey, you know, we have to start um, investigating into a nuclear weapon um, in order to um, compete with the Nazis. And later in his life, um, Einstein said that, you know, he did regret signing that letter, um, but uh, that he felt at the time that it was it was necessary in order to combat the potential for world fascism. So well, Einstein um, himself being both Jewish and a refugee from uh, continental Europe. And he just loved explosions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, 
And a lot of people also say that uh, this guy named Vannevar Bush was also involved um, in the Philadelphia Experiment. I think experiment. This is and he George was this, W. Like, Bush's great-grandfather. Uh, no relation, but yeah. uh, other than their name. <laughs> Probably a little uh, but bit he's like, yeah, Other than their exactly. name and the fact that you never um, saw them at, in the same place at the same time. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, sorry, Lee. So he... Yeah, so he was like a personal friend of uh, Roosevelt, uh, and he was like this uh, this engineer and uh, scientist who was part of the uh, U.S. Office of Scientific Research and Development during World War II, and uh, he was part of the Manhattan Project, too. And according to some bullshit I heard from some conspiracy theorists, uh, he was interested in uh, the field theory, um, and he, he apparently is somehow thought to have been involved in the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, so basically people take this, this supposed experiment and they slap names like Einstein and Bush onto it to kind of lend it some credence. Um, when in actuality, the the truth behind this story is a little slimmer than the uh, sort of paranormal investigating community uh, wants to admit. Um so it kind of Usually begs the, the question. Usually the paranormal community has a lot of strong evidence behind their claims. This one they have to yes. kind of burnish a little bit. Right, exactly. Usually they'll show up on Peter Venkman's television show that he did um, after the uh, uh, Marshmallow Man incident uh, to sort of pay the bills and uh, talk about their theories. Um, citation needed. Um, so... Where does this story come from? I think that's that's really um, what we need well, to get into. Well, it comes from a true incident um, that happened in Philadelphia, right? Yes. Uh, well, we'll get into the actual facts behind it in a second. We we don't want to we want to bury the lead here a little bit, Brian. There are wanna, facts on people's <laughs> interest. So, this crazy story comes from um, the Office of Naval Research um, during the nineteen fifties. Um, the and 40s, the, the, the government was actually actively investigating, um, you know, UFOs, you know, uh, I think Project Blue Book mm-hmm. is what it was called, because during World War Two, there were these weird things called Foo Fighters um, that were basically uh, Dave Grohl uh, sidebands after Nirvana that were seen flying around um, aircraft uh, and distracting people. Um, but Some basically the interior band. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There goes my hero. Watch him as he goes. Um, and basically, during the war, all of these um, different – all the different countries involved in the war thought it was someone else. The Germans thought it was the Russians. The Russians thought it was the Germans. The Americans thought it was the Japanese. The Japanese thought it was America. So basically, everyone thought that the Foo Fighters were someone else. But then after the war, it was like, oh, wait. No one actually had these weird Foo Fighter things. So um, the U.S. government was, was sort of actively looking into UFOs because – UFOs, by definition, do exist. Anytime something flies around that is unidentified, well, that's technically UFO. That doesn't mean that aliens are flying around spaceships. It just means that sometimes shit flies around and we can't immediately identify. Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would be able to identify swamp gas if I saw it. Yeah, but if you saw Swamp Thing, you'd be like, "Ha! An underrated Alan Moore masterpiece." (laughs) So when you're saying the United States is looking into UFOs, like they're looking into finding them or they're looking well, into making well, it, some. it seems because either way aren't you identifying it them? seems like there was a <laughs> um 
there was a heightened occurrence of uh, unidentified flying objects. Reports from pilots uh, as, you know, Precisely. as more and more pilots were produced by the war and as more and more uh, planes were flying, uh, they started to get more and more reports of unidentified flying objects. And so it became a, a serious issue uh, from a military standpoint, because if you're looking at first the the World War II effort and then the Cold War, there's a lot of reason there's a lot of reason to suspect that uh, both the Germans could have and, been the Russians yeah, and the, the Soviets Nazis. have some sort of secret flying devices that could threaten national security. So it's important to investigate these, uh, you know, sightings and claims to you know, primarily determine that your enemy doesn't have a super weapon that you don't know about and don't know how to combat. Precisely. Um, you know, we think of UFOs as like things that, you know, just like crackpots, um, you know, say that like someone stole them out of their apartment in Van Nuys and stuck something up their ass. But originally me, it was we, something the government. Crackpots? Let's say victims. Uh, crackheads. Yes. I apologize. Um, there's actually, there's actually this, uh, this guy who, um, he says that the books of Ian Fleming, the James Bond novels, are actually secret coded messages that reveal that James Bond is a real person and that Nazis have UFOs and that they have a secret base somewhere in Atlantis. So <laughs> we should do well, a whole right. episode about how that guy is <laughs> fucking crazy. But um, so anyway, the, the ONR, Office of Naval Research, is, is uh, researching UFOs um, and – they're they're taking this stuff pretty seriously um, at that time before they sort of close the book on this, um, and they receive an annotated copy of this guy Morris Jessup. Uh, sorry, a, co- a copy of his UFO book. His UFO book. What did I say? You said a copy of him. <laughs> oh, it sent a copy of Morris Jessup using a three D printer. He was like, "What the fuck am I doing here at the ONR?" Um, so his book's called "The Case for the UFO." Um, so they received a a annotated copy of this guy's book um, from someone who claimed to be Carlos Allende <laughs> and the, Carlos it, Allende. <laughs> Interesting, um, interestingly, the letter was uh, was marked Happy Easter, and yeah, the an- exactly. the annotations in the book were done in three different handwritings in three different shades of pink pen. Um, right and. The the O and R was confused. Like, why would someone send us this? What are these annotations? Yeah. And then they remembered it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Happy Easter on this wonderful Valentine's Day. And th- this copy of of Jessup's book is called the Vero Annotation. Um, and the O and R was like, you know, they had to take things they had to take things seriously. So they call up Jessup and they're like, um, Yeah, what's with this uh, annotated edition of your book? And he's like. WTF, guys, I actually received a bunch of crazy letters from some Carlos Allende as well. Um, and, you know, we got to figure out uh, what's going on here. Um, so Morris Jessup starts to get um, really involved in what these annotations say. And what these annotations say is they detail the entire specifics of this supposed Philadelphia experiment, you know, scrawled in this, the side of the books, all this stuff, like the Navy was doing experiments. They were making shit disappear and reappear. And the, the USS Eldridge disappeared. And then it reappeared. And these guys' hands were sticking out of the sides of, of the ship. And you can actually find a full copy of the, the Vero annotation. It, it's, it's online. I sort of looked through it. And uh, uh, basically what uh, Carlos Allende claims is he was aboard this ship called the SS and- Andrew Fur. For a Seth, right? Mm-hmm. 
And he basically says that he was on this other ship in Philadelphia in 1943, and he witnessed the whole thing um, from this ship. And um, he basically said that he might be able to remember more, um, but he would have to be put under hypnosis, which, of course, means that it absolutely is true. Paul's would have to be greased with a few (laughs) (laughs) sawbucks. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Oh, man. Good Um, sawbuck humor there, Bal. Yeah, to, um, re- to to clarify what what uh, what Allende claimed happened is that he claimed that he was a seaman on, uh, with the Navy. Oh, what? He, no. he claimed he claimed he was hanging out with a bunch of seamen on uh, during World War II on the ship, the SS Andrew Faruseth, and uh, he even in some of his initial letters to Jessup included his uh, cadet number, I believe it's called, or his seaman number, um, which oh, his God. sperm count. Which, if you're Brian, is very, very I I already (laughs) made this joke on Twitter before we even started recording. But Um, your semen number is really low just because you drank all that Mountain Dew in middle school. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But so Allende claimed to be on this ship uh, in the waters around Norfolk, uh, Virginia, in in October 1943. And he claimed to have seen the appearance of the Eldritch when it supposedly... You know, tra- teleported essentially from oh, okay. uh, right. he Philadelphia, was Norfolk, to, uh, Philadelphia to to Virginia, and that's what he had claimed to Jessup, and and it was to Jessup in letters to Jessup that uh, that he claimed he could recall more uh, via hypnosis. Yeah. So, um, but uh, as I, as I said earlier, there were three different handwriting annotations in um, the uh, copy of Jessup's book, and one of them is referred to as Jemmy, and yeah, the other. The others, Mr. A and Mr. B, with uh, Jessup theorizing that Mr. A was Allende, and then the other two were unknown individuals, which uh, right. there's been some speculation subsequent to this that we'll we'll get into later about the identity of those two people. But um, yeah, we'll suck yeah. all the fun out of this later. Don't worry. Yeah, but this so, does seem uh, cool now, but. So the Navy uh, started printing off copies of of this book, and it was suppo- at the time supposedly, you know, paranormal researchers and other historians of uh, varying stripes couldn't get a hold of it. But uh, it was apparently printed only for internal ONR research purposes, as well as Jessup. But it got was, out, obviously. Yeah, as well as Jessup, who was hired as a contractor to take a look at it. And as Lee mm-hmm. said, it goes into all these details about this Philadelphia experiment and whatnot. And uh, this this is a part of the story that uh, that didn't make any sense to me because Jessup goes on to publish a book about the Philadelphia experiment. And if he were if he were really contracted by the Navy to do this work, would he not have signed an NDA or something like that? I mean, right. non-disclosure. Yeah, like Beyonce was able to release this album just the other day with very few people <laughs> yes. releasing it. But uh, Brian, you made a reference that like from this century. I'm so proud <laughs> a of you. Post World War II <laughs> reference. But uh, I forgot where I was. Oh, so how did he get away with the uh, with uh, you know if he were working with the, the the navy and if this was a real secret that they wanted to keep under wraps? How did he get away with publishing a book? Um, so well, I mean, the, th- there's the real just... answer is that no one read it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jessup's like writings were not very successful after this. Um, Although it, it's if it's it's interesting, his book is now like a uh, sort of like a classic of the UFO underground. I like I tried to get a copy of it, like one of the original copies that they originally re- received, you know, that had the annotations on it. And it was like 
first edition. Yeah, like a first paperback edition. Like I just thought it would be a cool book to have like in my library of weird shit. Um, but you know, it's very expensive, and they didn't even have it at Ko Books, my local awesome bookstore in San Francisco. You should, you should Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> yeah, just it's a whole bookstore of Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> <laughs> you should get in touch with Tristan, our fan from Detroit, who works in the used and rare bookshop. Yes, Tristan. Tristan, what's up, buddy? Do you have a copy of uh, Morris Jessup's book? Also, if you have a copy of Sirens of Titan, uh, the 1959 Dell paperback edition, I need it. All right. Talk that to shit later. is going to be expensive. Yeah. Damn. I'm working on it, pal. Okay. okay. So, Brian, do you have any orders you want to put in with Tristan? <laughs> yeah, seriously. How to win friends and influence people, any edition. <laughs> Uh, and any Nazi porn magazines from the 1930s. No, I'm pretty uh, well stocked up on those. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, Ryan is the underground railroad. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Back on track here. Okay. So in uh, April of 1959, Jessup contacts this other dude. Um, okay. Brace yourself. Real name coming. Dr. Manson Valentine. Um, and arranged to meet with him on 420. Um, but on 420, Morris Jessup was found dead in Dade County, Florida. Um, and there was like a hose between the exhaust pipe and rear window of the vehicle. And uh, basically he was murdered with or killed uh, with toxic fumes. Um, and the death was ruled suicide. Or was it Barry the Blade Maldonado? Yeah. Known mobster in New Orleans. <laughs> Did you just make a, a John Grisham joke? <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like of all the books that we Come we've... on, Brian. You read The Client. Yeah. What are you talking about? I was Dude. busy poring over Ulysses at that age. Right. You were not reading Ulysses in sixth grade. No, I read Ulysses in junior year of high school. Gene was reading Homer, the uh, comic books based on the Simpsons uh, television show. Yeah, Bongo Comics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, basically, um, again, it's one of those weird suicides that always that seems to happen in every episode of the show. Someone is apparently about to uh, reveal the truth about some shit, and then they commit suicide. Um, and, How, uh, however, members of Jessup's family have also said uh, that he was kind of suicidal. Like, le- yeah, legitimate. They said they that he had talked to them about suicide. And then there's a – if you watch um, – one of those uh, History Channel shows that why is it on the History Channel? Um, there's an interview with Jessup's daughter, and when uh, when yeah, uh, her her uh, her stepmother called to inform her that uh, Jessup had died, her first re- response was, "How did he do it?" She she hadn't even been told that he had you know at that point that he had supposedly killed himself, but she already guessed that that was the cause. So th- it seems to be sort of the paranormal and UFO research community. So it's basically the perfect <laughs> Seems to be the the paranormal research and UFO uh communities that um really uh really push this uh, this uh, this fact that he was about to meet with someone yeah. and was supposed to, you know, reveal shocking truths about the Philadelphia experiment case, but People closest to him all claimed that he was in a really bad way. He had suffered an accident um, uh, earlier in the year, a car accident that uh, put considerable... He also suffered a car accident later in the year where he gassed himself to death, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) But coincidentally, uh, I just think it's interesting that it happened on April 20th, which is, of course, the day that Hitler invented weed. (laughs) Oh, boy. 
Oh, man. Oh, Lord. So, uh, at this point, Jessup is dead. The The story has kind of died with him, but the UFO community and the research, the paranormal research community has taken up this story. Um, and people like Valentine get very interested in it, and other people start publishing books about it and trying to keep, uh, you know, keep the story alive. Uh, sorry, this is 1959, by the way, that, uh, right. that uh, Jessup died. Um, and, uh, you know... Certain researchers are like, how, we really want to find this Car- Carlos Allende. How can some we get a hold of Some people said that he was working for aliens, and some people said that he was an alien himself. Yeah, and that's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's this theory about the three voices that annotated the copy of Jessup's book. And uh, one of the going stories was that these were three aliens who had gotten a hold <laughs> of the book and uh, were annotating it um, to, uh, you know, as some sort of forward research or um, field research committee that was studying human technology and their capabilities. I think we can pretty much take that at face value, right? Yep. No need to look into that further. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. Should we, uh, let's, uh, let's debunk this shit, boys. All right. So who was Carlos Allende, Lee? Well, it turns out Carlos Allende... Carlos Miguel Allende. Well, it turns out that they tracked down, researchers tracked down Carlos Allende to find out if he was an alien or worked for aliens. Using his his semen sample, right? Using a sample of his semen that they ran through the uh, uh, special victims unit computer um, that has all semen in it. And they found out that Carlos Miguel Allende was actually Carl Allen. Uh, and he was just like weird dude who lived with his parents. And uh, Brian, I think you saw this interview too. Um, but they interviewed his brother, and he basically had this bizarre habit of like writing craziness in the margins of all of his books, and then sending the books to weird places. And basically, what his brother said was that was Carl Allen um, was sort of like a, a savant in a way, like he was horrible. At school, but he sort of had like this crazy brilliance to him and he would just, you know, was a voracious reader and all that, but he couldn't really express himself. He couldn't really write his own thing. So instead he would just annotate books and uh, send them off. Um, And basically Carl Carl Allen um, uh, sort of saw all these people making money off of his story and came forward and said, no, I am Carlos Allende. Um, and, uh, he apparently said it was just a bunch of horseshit. I pulled a joke on all you guys. Ha ha ha. Um, but then he recanted this statement and said, no, 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 it is true. So the, the story comes entirely from Carlos Allende. So then it it becomes imperative to check out the actual facts behind the case. Um, actually talk to the officers who were on the USS Eldridge um, or the Andrew Ferriseth or whatever that other ship was called, look at the ship's logs um, and uh, look at the Navy records. And when it comes down to it, oh, excuse me. Um, when it comes down to it, there is no evidence uh, in any naval files about um, an experiment going on in Philadelphia. Um, there's no reference to this rainbow project, although there is a reference to rainbow being the, the Rome Tokyo uh, Berlin Alliance that we were talking about earlier. Um, and of course, conspiracy theorists will say, well, the fact that the government is covering up what happened is just 
proves that there is a government cover up and everything that everyone has ever said is true. Um, yeah, Lee, I mean, wouldn't the Navy want to cover up this kind of experimental project, especially if it had such disastrous results as claimed? Like, wouldn't they just change the logs? Wouldn't they, you know, swear people to secrecy? Mm-hmm. Oh, what, yeah, what so the ship's logs. That? So the ship's logs of both the Eldridge um, and the ship Ayende was claiming to be on um, basically not only say – don't say anything about this, but they also were nowhere near those places. Um, the Eldridge was nowhere near Philadelphia and um, the Andrew Ferriseth was nowhere near no- Norfolk, Virginia. So um, – and, and then also the they spoke to like the captain and all the officers on the ship and they're like on the the Eldridge and like it's a bunch of horseshit this never happened there were some other guys on another ship that was docked near the Eldridge who said yeah we partied with these guys all the time and um, that no one ever mentioned yeah we got this. into some gay shit who cares it was a war <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, was war there wasn't a lot of chicks in Philly um, so. However, at the time, you know, we were talking about how, you know, the German U-boats were taking down these destroyers because they were not agile enough to move around the torpedoes. Eventually, the, um, the, the Navy did develop a new class of destroyer ships that were more agile. Um, but in the meantime, they were trying to come up with a way to make them invisible to radar. So there was this concept called degaussing. D, uh, D-E-G-A-U-S-S-I-N-G, which is basically you, you kind of create um, or you, you, you uh, decrease the magnetic field around a ship um, in order to make it invisible to radar. And basically you would have to coil all these electronic magnetic coils um, or install these electronic, electro- electromagnetic coils onto the ships. Um, and apparently it would make them invisible to, to radar. Um, but it was really expensive, and they would have had to service these ships all the time. Um, so basically, degaussing didn't really take off as something to do, and instead they just developed those better ships. However, in the n- in a few years ago, in 2009, I think, um, they made uh, another coil uh, system that was called the HT. Uh, it's like a HTS degaussing, and it, that stands for High Temperature Superconducting Degaussing Coil System. That's the only way. So apparently, Brian the Navy is still. Hard. <laughs> right. Other than being in that theater that Hitler hung out in. Um, so <laughs> so um, basically there, the, the, the Navy was doing some sort of experiments to uh, make uh, ships, um, you know, invisible to detection, but not invisible to. But it like, was just painting the ship looking like around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was pa- it was painting a tunnel at the end of a road that seemed to run right into the ship. Yes. So, like most conspiracy theories that that we research on the show, there is like this tiny kernel of truth to the to the bag of popcorn bullshit um, that that uh, is the, the story itself. So, Carlos Allende. So, there is that small kernel of truth. Um, additionally, there was something interesting that happened. So there was, a, I believe, in 1969. All right, come on, laugh. Ah. Ah, 1969 um, article of Playboy um, that. Oh, hey, 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 hey. It's Playboy in '69. Um, that was about what happened to the USS Eldridge. So basically, um, after the war, 
um, in 51, it was transferred uh, to the Greek Navy as part of the uh, Mutual Defense Assistance Program, um, which is basically the CIA helped overthrow uh, the Greek communists and institute a fascist military dictatorship in Greece. Yes, we uh, helped them out by supplying them a lot of uh, arms and uh, material for making war. Yeah, it was basically right after the the Marshall Plan, um, where basically we were trying to uh, stem. Uh, Truman was was trying to redevelop uh, Europe, and then also uh, sort of stop uh, the, uh, the Soviet Soviets. Um, so we gave a bunch of shit to them, and one of the things that we gave them was the USS Eldridge. So you would think that if we really did have this super secret ship. Uh, the USS Eldridge, um, that we would not just give it to Greece, but whatevs. Um, but luckily, that was the last time that uh, Greece uh, was ever having to uh, be given anything by anybody else. And they're completely self-sufficient to this day. Um, <clears throat> so basically what happened is the Eldridge supposedly – now it was now the – I think it was the Leon or something. Um, the HS Leon, yeah, was um, – it disappeared again. And um, so there was this article about, you know, what the fuck happened to the Eldridge uh, or the Leon, nay, the Eldridge. Um, and, you know, the, the mystery endured. It turns out that the ship did not actually disappear. It was due to some sort of clerical error. Um, and it was actually in a scrapyard and had been decommissioned. And then in uh, about 15 years ago, it was sold as the scrap metal to... Um, to a, a firm called J or V and J Scrap Metal Trading Limited, and USS Eldridge has been scrapped. So, um, if there is anything on the USS Eldridge, it is now scrapped and turned into some other shit. Um, so the world will never know. The Parthenon. So let's yes, go to the scrapyard and try to rebuild it using Israel Finkelstein and his research. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And then there's a couple people that still try to to uh, cling on to the Philadelphia experiment um, as something that happened. They say, whoa, 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 these guys who were the captains, uh, the officers on the ship, they didn't actually – they weren't the actual guys that were involved in the Philadelphia experiment. There was a skeleton – They were crisis actors. <laughs> yes, exactly. They were crisis actors who had already been wounded um, in the Iraq war. Um, and so they, they dressed up their wounds to look like they were uh, melded with the ship. But, you know, that's another story, right, boys? All right, guys, that pretty much sums up the story, but I think it's time yes. to, to find out inside job or no. So, Gene, I will ask you, inside job or not, the Philadelphia Experiment? Uh, I don't even really know what the fuck happened. Yes. <laughs> inside job. Uh, I will say not an inside job. Uh, I, I pretty much uh, subscribe to the, to the story as Lee uh, helped uh, laid out for us. Um, it just seems like it's, um, I don't know. In, in some ways it does remind me of the, of the episode that we recorded last week where there are no contemporary accounts of anything like that is supposed to have happened, happen, whether it be the Exodus story or the, uh, the Philadelphia experiment. It only is later that something ha- is written referring to something that happened in the past and then yeah, that is there's no primary sources i think is what you're getting a at. source yeah so i'm gonna say not an inside job and lee what do you say you know i think to say that this is not an inside job is to um contend that it is anything at all 
Um, and uh, this story is 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 nothing. So there's no point in saying that it's not an inside job because it isn't anything. Um, it is just a bunch of bullshit. Wow. What a waste of our day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they made a really cool movie uh, in 1984 in which the guys who uh, disappeared on the USS Eldridge reappeared in 1984. And they're like, why is that person dressed like a punk? What's a video game? I love Stuff. Big Brother. Yeah. That man is dressed as a woman. Ah. You should watch it. It's on YouTube for free. It's actually pretty entertaining. Well, Lee, thank you so much for help bailing me out and helping to lead the episode. I can barely uh, – people might notice that I didn't talk a lot this episode. It's because I was basically rubbing my eyes that were just pouring tears and coughing the entire time. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that the, that the listeners didn't have to suffer through that and got to listen to you tell this story. So thank you very much for doing that. I think you did a great job. Oh. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. It was a fun, uh, fun little uh, side story of history to to look at. Uh, we've been thinking about doing this topic for a long time, but it's uh, such nonsense that we decided to concentrate on other things before then. <laughs> but uh, so, and thank you, the listener, for 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 listening to this. We are taking another break, though. Next week there will be no episode uh, because of uh, holiday travels, um, yes. so we won't be able to to put out an episode. But we'll be back the week after that. Yeah, um, can but, I plug a little bit, Brian, before we go? Uh, hold on, there's a sure. fan thing. Oh, there's a thing. Great. Yep. So last uh, last week I played a call that we got from someone who was at a wedding uh, talking about a Lee Harvey Oswald book, and then it cut out, and we asked people oh, great. To, to, to fill it in. And the submission that I got from Benjamin N. pretty much sums up exactly what happened. Uh, 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 everything that I'm about to read is sick. Uh, so there you go. As an SIC, as, as an SIC, there's no consistent okay. tense in this entire thing. Okay, got it. As the caller snuck away from his table at the wedding, he withdrew his phone to call inside jobs. He searched for an empty room when, while the phone rang. Suddenly, Brian's voice came up through the receiver. Brian's dull tone on the message only raised the caller's anticipation. When will Brian shut up so I can leave this message about Oswald, he said quietly as he heard the beep. (laughs) He quickly, quietly, and somewhat incoherently spoke about the girl he's sitting across from and how she sat next next to that woman Lee mentioned who wrote some crap book. As he spoke, the girl girl he's sitting across from came down the hall. She walked with purpose and hunger in her eyes. She grabbed the collar by his tie and pulled him into the bathroom. The tiled walls caused his phone to cut out. He became engorged at the thought of Lee and Jean hearing his call on the air and how they'd touch themselves while they listened. The thought of Brian listening caused his swollen member to immediately soften. (laughs) As he ran from the bathroom in shame, his phone cut back in and he lied to save face with Jean and Lee saying, She rocked my world. (laughs) Bravo. So that was a great that was a great uh, fan fiction from Benjamin N. I think that's exactly what happened um, with that call and like the Philadelphia experiment involved uh, something happening in both the present and the past. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so thank you very much. If you would like to call our hotline to ask us anything about this show or any future topics that we should do, you should give us a call. It's four one three two two five nineteen sixty three. You can also tweet at us at Inside Jobscast or email insidejobscast at gmail dot com. Always our va- our website is available insidejobscast dot com. And then we have a plug from Lee. 
Uh, it's actually more of a shout out. I just want to give a shout out to at Zombie Babies, uh, Gabriel, uh, or Gabriel rather, um, who is uh, a producer on um, Orphans of Camelot for making a very generous donation of $100. So thank you very much, Zombie Babies. Yeah. Um, did not give you a shout out last week. I just really wanted to say thank you. Um, so since we. How do- can people uh, uh, donate to that? Oh, you can go to jfk007.com, Brian, and uh, go ahead and check the movie out. Um, also, stay tuned um, on LeeSangerGolden.com. There will be a list of my top five um, favorite holiday um, films, you know, movies such as uh, Lethal Weapon. Uh, spoiler, Die Hard is the number one. There's nothing. nothing you did just spoil it. That is going to be the number one. But it's going to be funny <laughs> and fun. So fuck you, Brian. And I'll see you on the Internet, folks. There also might be a, right. there also might be a video or an audio uh, thing associated with it, so stand by. And also, Lee, I apologize. As an unemployed, a recently unemployed person, I cannot donate to your fucking movie. <laughs> no, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. I'm going to make it. As a permanently no unemployed what, person, and, um, I still cannot donate to your movie. Yeah, so you know, even if we don't raise enough money, I'm still going to make the movie, and uh, we'll release like a full hour long, basically, uh, documentary, um, at least an hour long next uh, for the next anniversary. Uh, and if you did uh, donate, like uh, Zombie Babies, I will have uh, some extra special treats. Basically, you'll get a DVD copy of the movie, and then also I'm going to put together kind of like a sort of uh, little self-published version of the website JFK007. Um, that will have like all of the writings in there and you'll have it in a nice little published thing with some pictures. And uh, you'll also get a copy of a, a novella that I wrote uh, called The Island of Lost Kennedys uh, that sort of explains a little bit of the backstory of, of my myth of The Island of Lost Kennedys. It's a right now it's a 30 page uh, sort of novella short story and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, zombie babies, uh, you will get that. And uh, anyone else who wants to donate will get that, too. So look forward to that. Awesome. And that's jfk007.com. As I said, we won't be back next week because hopefully I I won't be fucking sick anymore and I will be in wherever I go for Christmas. But we will join you again in two weeks. Until then, Philadelphia the money? Fuck you, Brian. That was was terrible. If you guys get this sickness that I have, here's how it goes. It's three days of the worst sore throat you've ever had in your life, and then a dry cough that you just cannot yeah, stop. Yeah, I, I already had that. And then you oh, grow a vagina. fuck me. It's awful. Yeah. <coughs> wait, wait. Is it, does it transmute over Skype? Yes. Oh, okay. Fuck. Uh, no, Gene was patient zero, so. Yeah. Uh, According Gene's to Mis- a monkey? Sweet. <laughs> Well, we're off to a I'm great dying start. from consumption, by the way. <laughs> Brian is a character from La Boheme.